إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so carrying on then with Lum'atul I'tiqad, talking about the Aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, talking about the various aspects of belief. The section that we got to was about Iman in the six pillars of Islam, or the Iman in the six pillars of Iman. Iman in Allah in the angels, in the books, in the prophets, in the day of judgment, and in the decree. And we mentioned that the shaykh has elaborated upon the section regarding the belief in the day of judgment. And that is the section that we arrived on. So as an introduction into that, as Sheikh Zaid, rahimahullah ta'ala mentions, inna من معتقد أهل السنة والجماعة أن كل ما ثبت عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من أخبار من أصول الدين وفروعه وحقوقه ومكملاته سواء من أمور الغيب أو غير ذلك من الأحكام وبيان الحلال والحرام وجب على كل مكلف أن يؤمن بذلك سواء عقل المعنى أو لم يعقل وليس وليس من شرط الإيمان العلم بكل شيء الشيخ زيد he mentions that from the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah is that everything which has been proven from the news and the information and the principles of the religion taught to us by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, all of the aspects of the religion that have been proven from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then we must have iman in them, whether they are from the affairs of the unseen, whether they are from the ilmul ghayb things about the day of judgment, things about paradise, hell, the grave, all of these are from the unseen to us. But we have iman in all of these aspects that is obligatory upon us. Even if we cannot work out in our minds how all of these things work, so everything which happens in the grave and everything which happens in the day of judgment and the resurrection, and the paradise and the hell and what's going to be in there, all of these things we may not be able to understand exactly how it all occurs. But regardless, we've been taught in the Qur'an and the Sunnah all of this occurs, so we have absolute iman, certainty regarding all of these affairs. Allah said in the Quran, إِنَّا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ بِالْحَقِّ بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا That indeed we have sent you with the truth. The messenger has been sent with the truth as a bringer of glad tidings and as a warner. A bringer of glad tidings and a warner. Allah sent the messenger to bring glad tidings and to warn the people. Glad tidings of paradise for the people of Tawheed and a warning against shirk and the people of shirk and their end abode of the hellfire. Just as Allah mentioned, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah does not forgive that you commit shirk with him. And all else besides that, Allah forgives to whom he wills. So the first thing that the shaykh mentions here, Al-Amrul Awwal, 
الإسراء والمعراج The night of al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. That night when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was taken up to the heavens. ثبت في النصوص أنه أسري بشخص النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من مكة إلى بيت المقدس. It has been proven that the Prophet ﷺ went, physically, physically went, not just in a dream or spiritually, physically his body, he went from Mecca to Jerusalem whilst he was awake. This wasn't a dream. This wasn't something in a dream that he saw all of these things happening that night and being taken up to the heavens. Physically himself he was taken, he went. From Mecca to Jerusalem, whilst awake, it mentions in the Quran in Surah Al-Isra, Subhanallahi asra bi abdihi laylan min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-aqsa. This talks about that night when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was taken from al-masjid al-haram, from his home in Mecca. To Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. And this is an ayah which as a side point, some of the scholars they use it as an evidence to say that all of the haram area of Mecca is considered as Al-Masjid Al-Haram. Mecca, you have Al-Masjid Al-Haram, the masjid itself, the Kaaba and the mosque. Then you have a haram area, not just the courtyard, beyond that, the roads, the streets, there's a haram area, the area known as the haram area. Then there is outside of that, the rest of Mecca. The haram area, that area, some of the scholars say, if you pray anywhere within the haram area, you get the hundred thousand. One of the proofs they use is this ayah. In the ayah it says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was taken from al-masjid al-haram to al-masjid al-aqsa. That night where was he when he was taken? From where? From his house. Not from the actual masjid. He wasn't in the actual masjid. He was in his home. So his home has been termed as al-masjid al-haram. Outside of the actual haram, the masjid Therefore indicating that even outside of it in the haram area, all of it is al-masjid al-haram. That is the opinion of some of the scholars. And they say therefore anywhere in the haram area, then you have the hundred thousand too. So on that night the Prophet ﷺ was taken up to the heavens. جَمَعَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَ النَّبِيِّينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gathered all of the prophets on that night. وَصَلَّى بِهِمْ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِمَامًا And the Prophet ﷺ led them all in prayer on that night. وَلَا نَسْأَلُ عَنِ الْكَيْفِيَةِ And we don't go into details and start asking how did all of the Prophets turn up there? Were they there physically in their bodies? Was it like this? Was it like that? We don't need to go into those details and we don't go into those particulars. Rather we believe and we say all of the prophets they were gathered on that night. And that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam led them in prayer. How did that all happen? That is beyond us and we've not been taught. And we don't need to go into those uh, specifics. نؤمن بذلك وأنه حق we believe in that, that it occurred, and that it is truth, لأنه ثابت, because it is something proven. It is something proven in the sunnah, that the prophets were gathered on that night, and the prophet ﷺ led them in prayer, so we have iman in that. We believe in the revelation. وَبَعْدَ ذَلِكَ عُرِجَ بِهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَقِضَةً فِي الْمِعْرَاجِ الَّذِي يَعْرُجُ فِيهِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ and then after that, the Prophet ﷺ, after leading all of the Prophets in prayer, was taken up to the heavens. 
وكان الإسراء والمعراج في ليلة واحدة and all of that being taken from Mecca to Jerusalem up to the heavens and back physically all of that occurred in one night all of that occurred in a single night فرض الله عليه صلوات الخمس on that night the night of Al-Isra' Al-Mi'raj that was the night when the five obligatory prayers were given as a ruling the commandment for this ummah to pray the five obligatory prayers was given on that night of Al-Isra' Al-Mi'raj and the famous hadith about that is known that when the Prophet ﷺ was given that command originally, he was given the command to pray how many times every day? Fifty, five zero, fifty prayers every day. And then he returned, and as he was returning with that command, that was going to be the command, he met Musa ﷺ on the way, and Musa ﷺ asked him in the sixth heaven, what did Allah command you with? He said, fifty prayers every day and night. Musa alayhi salam said to him, I have already experienced my people before you. And I know that your ummah will not be able to do 50 prayers every day. Go back and ask for less. And so the Prophet ﷺ went back asking for less until eventually, after a few returns, it became down to five prayers every day. Five prayers in every day and every night. وَأَطْلَعَهُ عَلَىٰ أُمُورٍ عَظِيمًا On that night the Prophet ﷺ was shown some great things. وَأَصْبَحَ بَيْنَ ظَهْرَانِي قُرَيْشٍ And in the morning the Prophet ﷺ, he came and he was amongst the Quraysh in Mecca. فَحَدَّثَ النَّاسِ بِمَا رَأَىٰ And so he told the people about what he saw that night. All of the events and what he saw on the night of Al-Isra' Al-Mi'raj. When he came back in the morning, he told everybody about it. فَكَذَّبَهُ الْكُفَّارِ So the kuffar, they denied it. They rejected his statements and they declared him a liar. Declared him a liar and they rejected his statements that he went from here all the way to Jerusalem and the heavens and came back all of it in one night. قَالُوا يَسْتَحِيلُ they said it is impossible. استحيل. It is impossible. أن يكون ذلك الذهاب والرجوع في ليلة واحدة. To go from Mecca to Jerusalem to the heavens and Jerusalem and Mecca. All of that physically you went in one night. They said that is impossible. Impossible. المعلوم أن المسافة تقطع في شهر. They said the traveling distance from Mecca to Jerusalem. It's a month traveling distance. How are you going to go in one night and back? They said that's impossible. وَطَلَبُوا مِنْهُ وَصْفَ بَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ فَجَلَّاهُ اللَّهُ أَمَامَهُ فَوَصَفَهُ So they said to him, describe to us what does Bayt al-Maqdis look like. Tell us what does it look like then if you claim you went there and came back. So that was made apparent to the Prophet ﷺ and he described it. He described it as it is. فَذَهَبَ بِهِمَ الْكِبَرِ لَتَكْذِيبِ So then when they heard from the Prophet ﷺ, described to them exactly what it's like, and they knew that description, they knew he was telling the truth, even then, they denied and they rejected out of arrogance. وَصَدَّقَهُ أَبُو بَكْرَ الصِّدِّيقِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ Abu Bakr al-Siddiq believed him. رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَقَالَ لَهُمْ And he said to them, because they came to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and they said, have you heard what your companion Muhammad sallallahu is saying? Have you heard what he's saying? So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq said to them, كَيْفَ لَا أُصَدِّقُهُ وَخَبَرُ السَّمَاءِ يَأْتِيهِ صَبَاحًا وَمَسَاءً How can I not believe him? And the revelation comes to him day and night, morning and evening. Revelation comes to him from the heavens, I believe that. Why do you think I'm not going to believe this? Why do you think I'm not going to believe that he went there and came back? Of course I believe. I believe even more than that. I believe revelation comes to him morning and evening. فَسُمِّيَ الصِّدِّيقِ So he was known as الصِّدِّيقِ from that moment. وَأَهْلُ الْإِيمَانِ حَقًّا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهَذَا الْأَمْرِ And the people of Iman, then we believe in this affair. We believe in what occurred. 
وأنه من المعجزات العظيمة التي أكرم الله بها نبيا هذه الأمة and that this is one of the great miracles of that night that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with honored and ennobled the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by taking him up to the heavens on that night and all of that event of al-Isra wal-Mi'raj وَكَذَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِمَا جَرَى فِيهِ مِنْ أُمُورِ غَيْبِيَّةِ أَخْبَرَ بِهَا الصَّادِقُ الْمَصْدُوقِ صلى الله عليه وسلم and we believe in all of the things that the Prophet sallallahu saw that night. Everything that is described in the narrations about what he saw that night, we believe in all of that. Another event from the events that is mentioned that we have iman in, dhikru ashrati sa'ah, the signs of the hour. The signs of the hour are another event which is mentioned that we have iman in. Ashratu sa'ah haqqun dallat alayha al-nusus al-sahiha min al-sunnati al-mutahhara. The signs of the hour are absolutely true. The day of judgment, there will be some signs that occur before it. Those signs are absolute truth. وَهِيَ الْعَلَامَاتَ الَّتِي تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ قُرْبِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ And they are the signs that indicate that the day of judgment is close. وَهِيَ كُبْرَىٰ وَصُغْرَىٰ And there are major signs and there are minor signs. There are minor signs of the hour, and then there will be closer to the time some major signs of the hour. And if you look at it in another perspective, you could say that the signs of the hour are three types. Signs which have already happened and gone by. Signs which are occurring right now, and signs that will occur in the future. Three types of signs in terms of the tense. Certain signs have happened already. The fact that the final messenger has come and the seal of the prophets has come and gone. That is a sign of the hour. No more prophets or messengers to come now. That is a sign that the hour is close therefore. The death of the Prophet ﷺ is a sign that the hour is close. Even when the Prophet ﷺ was alive, in that narration he said, بُعِثْتُ أَنَا كَهَاتَيْنِ I have been sent and the hour will be established. Meaning from now, until when the day of judgment happens, the gap is just that. Your index finger and your middle finger. How much longer is your middle finger to your index finger? Just that small gap at the top. That is the time left between when the Prophet was sent up until the day of judgment occurring. That small gap at the top of your fingers. And some scholars say the small gap in between your fingers. To indicate that there's only a small time left before that day of judgment will occur and it will establish so what are some of these major signs of the Day of Judgment? One of those major signs is Khuruj al-Dajjal. The exiting of the Dajjal. Dajjal, the word itself, it means somebody who is an excessive liar. Somebody who is an excessive liar. That is where the word Dajjal comes from. Al-Kathib, wa-tamwih, deception, lying. That is what the word Dajjal means. And so this Dajjal, he will be a man who comes at the end of time. Al-Muradu bihi rajulun yakhruju fi akhiri zaman, tubtala bihi al-ummah. A man who will come at the end of time and there will be a great test upon this ummah via him. Yad'uhum ila ta'atih. He will call them, invite them, give them da'wah to be obedient to him and to worship him. He will call them to his own obedience. Allah will allow certain what you call miracles to occur with the Dajjal. He will be able to do things out of the ordinary. Allah will allow the Dajjal to do certain things out of the ordinary as a test. That will be the great test upon this Ummah. 
So he will be able to do things which are out of the ordinary. Like it's mentioned in the narrations, the people who follow him, then the Dajjal commands the sky and the rain starts coming and the green, lush vegetables and bushes and everything grows and they have all of that, uh, uh, the crops and the vegetation and everything. And the ones who do not obey him, he commands the sky and the sky stops the rain and drought occurs. And all of the land and the animals, they die. Allah gives him this, allow, allows these things to happen via the Dajjal. So he'll be able to do these things. And this will all be a test upon the people. يَتْبَعُهُ الْيَهُودُ وَالنِّسَاءِ The Jews and women, it is mentioned, there will be many followers from amongst them of the Dajjal. وَالْأَعْرَابِ And the Bedouins, لِجَهْلِهِمْ Due to their ignorance. وَيَصِيرُ فِي الْأَرْضِ كُلِّهَا and the Dajjal will go all across the world, across the earth, except he will not be able to go into Mecca and Medina. He will not be able to go into Mecca and Medina. Allah will place angels around Mecca and Medina at the guarding of Mecca and Medina. He will not be able to enter. How long will the Dajjal remain upon this earth? Forty days. It is mentioned that the Dajjal will remain upon this earth for 40 days. However, these 40 days are not like the normal 40 days. What will these 40 days be like? It is mentioned in the narration that the first day, from those 40 days, the first day will be like a year. And the second day will be like a month, and the third day will be like a week, and the rest of the days will be like normal days. So now when you add it up, what does it add up to? The first day is a year long, the second day a month long, the third day a week long, and the rest of the 37 days like 37 normal days. What does it add up to? <coughs> no? <laughs> so what does it add up to then? So the first day is like a year, so that's one year definitely. Next day is like a month, one year, one month we're up to now. Next day is like a week, so one year, one month, one week we're up to. 37 days is what? Five weeks and two days. Five weeks and two days, five weeks basically. So now then, one year, one month, and one week, add five weeks. So you end up with one year... Two months and two weeks, roughly, that's what it is. That's what the final figure comes to, roughly. One year, two months and two weeks. That will be the stay of the Dajjal upon the earth. And the fitna of the Dajjal, the trial of the Dajjal is the greatest of trials. And every prophet used to warn their people against the fitna, this great corruption and trial of the Dajjal when it comes. The Prophet wasallam taught us, to recite in the prayer, one of the sunnah du'as that you should recite in every prayer that you pray. At the end, right at the end, you should recite the du'a, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adab al-qabr wa min adab jahannam wa min fitnat al-mahya wa mamat wa min sharri fitnati masih al-dajjal. Four things the Prophet ﷺ taught us to ask Allah to protect us from in the prayer. When you finish your prayer, right at the end, the last thing before you give the salam, you're supposed to ask Allah to protect you from these four things. That's the sunnah. What are the four things? To protect you from the punishment of the grave. Number one. Number two, to protect you from the hellfire. Number three, to protect you from the trials and difficulties of life and death. And number four, to protect you from the evil of the Dajjal. That is something you should make dua for in every prayer before you give the salam at the end. Sunnah of the prayer, one of the sunnah acts to do. So a person should make that dua. Hadith is in Sahih Muslim. And it is mentioned in other narrations, in the hadith that Al-Imam Ahmed narrated, 
reported hadith of Hudayfa radiyallahu anhu. Hudayfa radiyallahu anhu says, Kunna inda nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fadhakara ad-dajjal. That on one occasion we were with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he mentioned the dajjal. Faqal, لَفِتْنَةُ بَعْضِكُمْ أَخْوَفُ عِنْدِي مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الدَّجَّالِ إِنَّهَا لَيْسَتْ مِنْ فِتْنَةِ صَغِيرَةِ وَلَا كَبِيرَةِ إِلَّا تَتَّضِعُ لِفِتْنَةِ الدَّجَّالِ فَمَنْ نَجَى مِنْ فِتْنَةِ مَا قَبْلَهَا نَجَى مِنْهَا وَإِنَّهُ لَا يَضُرُّ مُسْلِمًا مَكْتُوبٌ بَيْنَ عَيْنَيْهِ يعني مكتوب بين عيني الدجال Kafirun muhajjatun kafara. In this narration, it tells us what many people have heard of and they know that the Dajjal, it will be written on his forehead that he is a disbeliever in letters kafara. Kafara. He has disbelieved, he is a kafir. It will be written upon his forehead. But it is mentioned the people of Iman will see that. But those upon ignorance and misguidance, with that being on his head, despite that being on his head, they will still follow him. So that will be written upon his head between his eyes. Ka-fa-ra. In another hadith of Hisham ibn Amr, radiyallahu anhu, he says, I heard the Prophet say in Sahih Muslim, مَا بَيْنَ خَلْقِ آدَمْ إِلَىٰ قِيَامِ السَّاعَةِ خَلْقٌ أَكْبَرُ مِنَ الدَّجَّالِ from the time when Adam السلام, was created up until when the day of judgment happens, there is no greater creation than the Dajjal. Meaning greater in the trial, in the affair, in the, the issue of the Dajjal. That is the greatest issue, the greatest problem that will be. From the time of the creation of Adam السلام, to the day of judgment. That is the biggest fitna. So that is the Dajjal briefly. That is one of the major signs of the hour when the Dajjal appears. Is the Dajjal alive right now? There is statements of the scholars mentioning this. There are narrations, some hadith that mention this, that the Dajjal is present already, but that he will only be permitted to exit from where he is. And it is mentioned that he may be where? There are mentionings of an island. There are narrations. There is a hadith that does mention it. So there is a possibility of that. Tamim Dari. Sah. In this hadith, it mentions it regarding the Dajjal being present at the moment, but that he is chained and he will not exit until the end of time. Another great sign of the Day of Judgment will be the fact that Isa alayhi salam returns. Jesus, as they say, Isa alayhi salam. He will come back and he will return at the end of time. And that is something which is mentioned also in the texts. That Isa alayhi salam is about to return. In the narration the Prophet mentions, he is about to return. Meaning that day of judgment is close. Isa alayhi salam is close to returning. He will return back and he will be the ruler upon justice. فَيَكْسِرُ الصَّلِيبِ will destroy the crosses. وَيَقْتُلُ الْخِنْزِيرَ and kill the pigs. وَيَضَعُ الْجِزْيَةِ and there will be no taxation upon the kuffar. It will not be accepted from them. وَيَفِيضُ الْمَالِ حَتَّى لَا يَقْبَلُهُ أَحَدًا The wealth will be so much that nobody even wants it. So much money people don't even want anymore. There will be so much of that wealth everywhere. حَتَّى تَكُونَ السَّجْدَةُ الْوَاحِدَةِ خَيْرًا مِنَ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا فِيهَا To the extent it will get such the situation that doing one prostration to Allah will be better than the world and everything in it. Because at the end of time, right at the end of time, what happens? The tawheed and the remembrance of Allah disappears. The Qur'an is removed. Only the juhal, the ignorant and the worst of the people will remain and the hour will be established upon them. 
So Isa السلام, will return and he is the one who will actually kill the Dajjal. It is mentioned that Isa السلام, when he returns, he will perform Umrah and he will perform Hajj. And he will rule by the Sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that he marries and has children and he remains upon this earth also 40 years. But some of the scholars they say, what does that 40 years mean? Some scholars have an opinion that when Isa alayhi salam was raised up, he was how old? 33. And so that when he comes back, he will remain another Seven years. That's what some scholars say. Some scholars say 40 years, meaning he was 33 first, and there will be seven more afterwards when he comes back. So it will be 40 altogether. That is the opinion of some of the scholars. That is what is mentioned. So that is Isa alayhi salam returning. Jesus. He will come back at the end of time. He will return at the end of time, and that will be a sign of the day of judgment coming close. Also from the great signs, just briefly mention some of the others. Ya'ajuj and Ma'ajuj, two great tribes from the children of Adam, from the humans. And they will come, and it's mentioned about the corruption they will cause, and that they would go to a river and they would drink it dry. They would go to a river and they would drink it dry. So Ya'ajuj and Ma'ajuj, these two great tribes, they will come also. And they cause corruption upon the earth. And nobody is able to fight against them and to stop them. There will be so many of them. These two huge tribes of people, so huge, these armies, Ya'juj and Ma'juj. Nobody will be able to fight them off. And in the end it's mentioned that after the Dajjal has been killed by Isa alayhi salam and the Muslims with him, Ya'juj and Ma'juj surround Isa alayhi salam and the Muslims. Ya'juj and Ma'juj, they surround them, they corner them. They corner and they surround Isa alayhi salam and the Muslims. أَنَّهُمْ يَحْصُرُونَ نَبِيَ اللَّهِ Isa alayhi salam وَمَنْ مَعَهُ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ الَّذِينَ نَجَوا مِنَ الدَّجَّالِ فَيَدْعُوا عَلَيْهِمْ But then Isa alayhi salam makes dua against them and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroys them. When they are destroyed, the stench from their bodies, it causes great difficulty and harm. It will be a disgusting stench from their bodies when all of them are destroyed. And so then the Muslims, they make dua again. Isa alayhi salam makes dua again. And then Allah sends birds that carry away their bodies. This is all what will occur. And this is all what we have iman in. Another one of the great signs of the day of judgment is the fact that the sun on one day close to the day of judgment will rise up from the west. Normally the sun rises up from the east. But on the day of judgment, just before the day of judgment, one of the biggest signs will be that one morning the sun will rise up from the west, from the opposite direction. And when the sun rises up from the west, إِذَا طَلَعَتْ وَرَآهَ النَّاسِ آمَنُوا أَجْمَعِينَ Everybody will have iman then. Everybody will want to be Muslim then. Everybody will know now for definite this is the truth. When they see the sun rising up from the west, tremendous sign, then all of them will want to believe. However, ذَلِكَ حِينَ لَا يَنْفَعُ نَفْسًا إِيمَانُهَا لَمْ تَكُنْ آمَنَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَوْ كَسَبَتْ فِي إِيمَانِهَا خَيْرًا At that moment though, the ones who now want to believe, their iman will not benefit them. When they see the sun rising up from the west, now they all want to believe, it will be too late. Now the great sign has come. The test was for them to believe before that. But when they see that great sign, now it's too late and their iman will not benefit them now.
وَهَذِهِ الْعَلَمَاتِ These signs are all from the great signs of the hour. And there are certain other great signs of the hour which also occur, that will take place uh, uh, prior to the day of judgment being established, the beast that will exit at that time, the eclipses that will occur, the three eclipses, uh, also the smoke that will arise, the fog that will arise, and the fire that will gather the people to the land of resurrection. Then, the next point the Sheikh mentions is Fitnatul Qabr, the trial of the grave. We believe as Muslims that when a person dies, two angels, they come to you after death. They are Munkar An-Nakir. وَلَا تُنْكِرًا جَهْلًا مُنْكَرًا وَنَكِيرًا Do not reject Munkar al-Nakir, as it is mentioned in the Ha'iyah of Ibn Abi Dawood. Do not reject Munkar al-Nakir. They are the two angels that come to every person after he dies. And they come in an appearance of black and blue. Some of the scholars say, perhaps, maybe, Maybe that means that they have black silhouettes with blue eyes, perhaps. But the hadith just says black and blue. And they come and they sit the person up. After his death, he's buried in his grave. Even if he's not buried, this happens. They come and they sit the person up and then they ask him those three questions. There are three questions that are, Man Rabbuka, who is your Lord? Tell us who your Lord is. وَمَا دِينُكَ And what about your religion? What was your religion? And مَنْ نَبِيُّكَ Tell us about your prophet. Who is your prophet? So the believers, they'll be able to answer those questions. They'll be able to answer the angels and tell them about their Lord, about Allah, and about their religion, about Islam, and about their prophet Muhammad wasallam. They will know and they'll be able to respond. But as for the disbelievers, they will not be able to respond. They will not be able to give a response. They will say, ahi, ahi. They will say, ahi, ahi. I used to hear the people saying something. سَمِعْتُ النَّاسَ يَقُولُونَ شَيْءٍ فَقُلْتُ I used to hear the people saying something. I said, I don't know. I don't know my religion, my Lord, my Prophet. So they will be the ones who are destroyed. They are the ones who will face destruction. Even before that, even before they get to the trial of the grave, when the soul comes out of the body of a person at the moment of death, it is mentioned that the true believers, their soul comes out easily, just like water flows out of a cup. But the soul of the disbelievers doesn't want to come out. Because the soul of the disbelievers, it knows about the destruction it is heading to knows about the punishment it is heading to, so it doesn't want to come out. So it's mentioned in the example, if you had a bowl of wool, you had a pile of wool, and you put water onto it, so it becomes wet, then you have a hook, and you put the hook into the middle of it, stick it all the way into the middle of that bowl of wet wool. Now when you try and take the hook out, no matter how careful you are, it's going to, Rip that wool as you're coming out. That's the example given of the soul of a disbeliever exiting from the body at the moment of death. That it rips out, and in some narrations it says the arteries and the veins are ripped from that soul coming out. That it doesn't want to exit because it knows of the destruction and the ruin and the punishment that it is heading to. And then after that occurs the fitnatul qabr, the trial of the grave, and the questioning in the grave. And so the believer answers those questions about your Lord and your religion and your prophet. But the disbeliever is not able to answer those questions about your Lord and your religion and your prophet. There are certain people who may be excused from the questioning of the grave. One of those examples is the prophets and the messengers. The prophets and the messengers are excused from the questioning of the grave because one of the questions is to who is your prophet? They themselves were the prophet. 
They were the ones sent to the revelation. Also the martyrs are excused. It says in one narration that a man came to the Prophet وسلم, and he asked him, مَا بَالُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ يُفْتَنُونَ فِي قُبُورِهِمْ أَوْ فِي الْقُبُورِ إِلَّا الشَّهِيدِ that how come all of the believers are going to get this test in the grave apart from the martyrs? So the Prophet ﷺ said, "Kafa Sufficient is the clanging of the swords upon his head as a trial upon him. That he died as a martyr truthfully and sincerely, not these takfiris and jihadis and all of this nonsense that they engage in. We're talking about the one sincere for the word of Allah to be raised. Then that individual is excused from the trial of the grave. Uh, so these are examples, a couple of examples of people who are excused from the trial of the grave, but otherwise generally everybody is given the trial of the grave. The angels, they come and they sit you up. And that is after you've been buried, and even if you didn't get buried, it happens. But after you're buried, you hear the footsteps of your family walking away. It says in the hadith, when you're buried and everybody finishes and they're walking away now, you hear the footsteps of your family walking away. And then after that, this trial, it occurs. The uh, trial of the grave and the angels, they come and they ask you those questions occurs. So we need to think about this. This is reality. This is something with certainty we believe in. It will occur. It will happen to you in your grave. And we haven't even got to the section yet about the punishments of the grave when you're buried. And even if you're not buried, remember, all of this still happens. You drown at sea, you get burnt in a fire, whatever. All of this happens. The punishment after death, before the day of judgment. Right now, the people who have died, and they've been dead for maybe centuries and centuries, they are still in their graves. On the day of judgment, everybody will be raised up out of their graves. What is happening to them in their graves right now, all the people who have died? That is what we'll discuss from the next topic. Next week, uh, next session. Next session, we'll talk about what is happening to all of the people in their graves right now. All of these people for centuries who have died and are buried, millions and billions of them, what is happening to all of them in their graves right now? That we'll begin with. That's the topic from next week, uh, session, which is not next week. It's in two weeks' time. Next week, there is no class. Next week is postponed. In two weeks' time, we'll come back and we'll start with that topic. The reason why next week is postponed is because there's a conference in Birmingham, a big conference for three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There'll be four or five lectures every day for the three days. There'll be telelinks with the scholars. So it's a full program packed with three days of uh, lessons and lectures, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Salafi Publications in Birmingham, Coventry Road in Small Heath at Al-Masjid Al-Salafi. So everybody should make an effort this weekend coming now, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Go for the full three days, go for two days, whatever you can make it, go and attend. Go and attend that conference and see what it's like and learn that knowledge. Lectures and lessons all day, stalls outside, everything. So make an effort this next weekend coming to go and visit, even if it's just the one day. If that's all you can do, go for the day. Go and visit. From here it's nothing, it's a couple of hours drive. And on that weekend, on that weekend... Typically, it's not actually busy, it's very quiet. On that weekend, which is the weekend that the non-Muslims will be celebrating their so-called Christmas, then that weekend there isn't much on the roads. Very quiet, two hours you go down, less than that maybe travel, see the full day, lectures, everything, and come back if you need to. So make the effort for next weekend definitely to go and try and attend. This will be postponed. In two weeks' time we'll come back and carry on then, inshallah. So we'll conclude upon that for tonight then. Any questions? That's next time's topic. That's about the punishment of the grave. No, no, I get you, I get you. But that's about the punishment of the grave. Yeah. We'll talk about it next time. Remember your question till next time. Today all we did was about the questioning of the grave. That what you're talking about is linked to the punishment of the grave. If a person, a believer dies in a certain way, then there are exceptions from the punishment of the grave. So that type of thing, we'll mention it next lesson, inshallah. You know, if you've got uh, some people like that from Tawheed and from the Sunnah, and they might be ignorant of certain things, mm. but they might know those three questions in this life now, will they be able to answer those questions in the grave easily? 
Now the person who will be able to answer those questions is a person who is educated and is, is, is uh, practicing of his religion. The one who has that iman in his religion. Doesn't mean he has to be a scholar. Doesn't mean he has to be somebody with superior knowledge. But he has to have that basic tawheed in his heart, understanding of his Lord, his religion, his prophet. Thalathatul usul, that book that we do. That is the three questions. So the Muslim who has that firm iman and that basic understanding of his religion, practicing it, knows what his religion is, knows who his Lord is, knows who his prophet is, that is the basic meaning of it. Doesn't mean somebody has to be a scholar and know all of the details. Regarding the signs of the hour, has any scholars done um, a like chronological order of the signs? Signs of the hour, there is a chronological order. What is the first sign of the hour? The major signs, what's the first one? The jar. The jar is the first major sign of the hour. Number two? No, Mahdi is even before the Dajjal. Isa alayhi salam. Then? Ya'juj ma'juj. That's the first three in order. Dajjal, Isa alayhi salam, Ya'juj ma'juj. Number four? What's the last one? What's number 10? No, that's not a sign. That's the actual day. No, the fire. The fire that will gather and round up everybody to the land of resurrection. That's the last sign. That's number 10. So we've done 1, 2, and 3. And we've done number 10. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 doesn't matter how much research you do, there is no chronological order. It is not known from the texts which of those will happen first, which will happen afterwards. There are certain ones we know that if this one happens, then that one will happen. But altogether as an order, that middle section isn't ordered. There isn't in the sunnah enough evidence for us to be able to work out which one, which one in order. The first three we know definitely. Dajjal, Isa alayhi salam, Ya'juj ma'juj. That we know the order. Next bunch, we don't know the exact order, which will be first, which will be second. The last one we know as well, it will be the fire that gathers everybody up. Um, I heard a talk on YouTube like um, a year ago, talking about the Jal's um, appearance. And they said like from far away, his hair looks like snakes. And regarding that, I was just wondering, does that mean like it's like camera or some sort of like dreadlocks? Because many people do um, dreadlocks. And most of these followers of the job will probably be like in the music industry and all on the medias and stuff in it with the Jews and as you said earlier on. Mm-hmm. I've not heard about that description. Sorry, is that is that just I don't know about that description. There are many other descriptions about the Dajjal. It does mention about his hair being in that disheveled way. But about the snake description I don't know. Never heard of that. But it does mention it about being all disheveled and everything. That is mentioned. About does that mean like it would be in locks then? Like locks, like locks and things and disheveled. It, it is mentioned, that type of thing. So that's not that description is mentioned. Islam to do. So no, no, not necessarily. That doesn't mean that it's not permissible to do. So, so am I allowed to get dressed? Or is that just That's where you wanted to get to with your question in the end, huh? You want there you are. Now, that, with that really, it's about imitation. You don't want to imitate non-Muslims. But some Muslims look like, um, sorry, some non-Muslims actually wear their beards like Muslims, so it gets confusing. No, but that's up to them. I mean, if they want to imitate Muslims, that's, there's no problem. If, the problem is we can't imitate kuffar. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to have hairstyles that are clearly imitations of kuffar. You don't want to do that. So there's no need to do that kind of thing. That's okay, there's no problem. Up to up to earlobes, just below your earlobes, up to there, you can grow your hair if you want. But it shouldn't be longer than that, because if it goes longer than that, you're imitating women. It's only down to your earlobes, or halfway between earlobes and shoulders, but it shouldn't be going past that. Yeah, because my friend was like saying, um, basically, if you, if you get dreads, it's kind of like being natural. Because when, when you've got a certain type of hairstyle, um, your hair naturally forms locks if you don't comb it. 
And, um, so, okay, the solution is really simple. You go and you get a grade two, grade three. <laughs> that's it. Every time you can get your own machines, you know, the, the bowl, the bowl roller ones. The bowl roller ones. You get that? It's a self shaving machine. Put it on grade two. They have a bowl that rolls, which means you can do all around. You don't even need a mirror. You don't need nobody to help you. There you go. No problem. Every few weeks. You know, in Medina, when I was in Medina. When I was living there for six years, in the six years I think I only went to the barber about three times or four times. All of the rest of the time we used to go to Umrah, shaved off every time I say it's gone. And no, her hair never went beyond grade two or something or grade three for six years. So that's it. No need to do anything else. Is there any hadith from Once again, huh? Go on. It is a sign, but some of the scholars don't mention it as a major sign because there's a hadith that mentions the ten major signs. The Mahdi is just before those ten major signs. But yes, it's a, it's a sign. It's a sign of the hour. Hmm. Is there any hadith mentioned about the jealous in the east of Medina? Yeah, it's mentioned about the east, that he will come from the east. There's a hadith in that same narration, he mentions it about the east. Hmm. Huh. So there's people saying that the Jal is going to come from Britain. <laughs> people say that the Jal is the TV. <laughs> One-eyed, because the Jal is going to have one eye. They say, look, the TV is one eye, one screen. That's a complete nonsense. No. Allah uh, those are details I don't know. Allah hmm. huh. That we'll talk about next time too. Where where is the soul? What happens to the soul of a person? That we'll talk about as well, yeah. We'll do it in the next lessons. You know the soul. The, um, the, about the sun rising. Does it say that um, the, uh, the forgiveness of the, 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 the forgiveness of the followers as well? Yeah, there's a the hadith. Does that um, uh, mean the Muslims as well? So no one will be able to pray for forgiveness anymore? Mm. Or is it just for the kuffar that they can't enter into as well? At that point there, once the sun rises, then it's just absolute tawbah is cut off. Tawbah is cut off there. In the narration, it says, "La tanqati' tawbah hatta tatlu ashams min maghribiha." The tawbah continues. You can make tawbah up until that moment when the sun rises. When the sun rises from that side, now even the Muslims, everybody will realize now that's it. Definitely, they were all true what they were telling us. So now tawbah is too late. So the tawbah needs to be done before that. They say as a condition of tawbah, it's got to be done before that or before death. Allah accepts the tawbah of a person before the soul exits. So we'll conclude there. Next week the conference, two weeks time, we'll be back here roughly the same time, 7pm inshallah.